Genesis chapter 41. Two years later, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing beside the Nile when seven healthy-looking, well-fed cows came up from the Nile and began to graze among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, sickly and thin, came up from the Nile and stood beside those cows along the bank of the Nile. The sickly, thin cows ate the healthy, well-fed cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep and dreamed a second time. Seven heads of grain, plump and ripe, came up on one stalk. After them, seven heads of grain, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven plump, ripe ones. Then Pharaoh woke up, and it was only a dream. When morning came, he was troubled. So he summoned all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I remember my faults. Pharaoh had been angry with his servants, and he put me and the chief baker in the custody of the captain of the guard. He and I had dreams on the same night. Each dream had its own meaning. Now, a young Hebrew, a slave of the captain of the guards, was with us there. He, we, told him our dreams. He interpreted our dreams for us and each had its own interpretation. It turned out just the way he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent message for Joseph, and they quickly brought him from the dungeon. He shaved, changed his clothes, and went to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said about you that you can hear a dream and interpret it. I am not able to, Joseph answered Pharaoh. It is God who will give Pharaoh 
a favorable answer. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile when seven well-fed, healthy-looking cows came up from the Nile and began to graze among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly, very sickly, and thin, came up. I've never seen such ugly ones as these in all the land of Egypt. (laughs) Then the thin, ugly cows ate the first seven well-fed cows. When they had devoured them, you could not tell that they had devoured them. Their appearance was as bad as it had been before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I also had seen seven heads of grain, plump and ripe, coming up on one stalk. After them, seven heads of grain, withered, thin, and scorched. By the east wind, sprouted up. The thin heads of grain swallowed the seven plump ones. I told this to the magicians, but no one can tell me what it means. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven ripe heads are seven years. The dreams mean the same thing. The seven thin, ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven worthless, scorched heads of grain are seven years of famine. It is just as I told Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. After them, seven years of famine will take place, and all the abundance in the land of Egypt will be forgotten. The famine will devastate the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because of the famine that follows it, for the famine will be very severe. Since the dream was given twice to Pharaoh, it means that the matter has been determined by God, and he will carry it out soon. So now, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint overseers over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of the land of Egypt 
during the seven years of abundance. Let them gather all the excess food during these good years that are coming under Pharaoh's authority. Store the grain in the cities so they may preserve it as food. The food will be a reserve for the land during the seven years of famine that will take place in the land of Egypt. Then the country will not be wiped out by the famine. (laughs) The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Then Pharaoh came to his servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find anyone like this, a man who has God's spirit in him? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as intelligent and wise as you are. You will be over my house, and all my people will obey your commands. Only with regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, See, I am placing you over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him with fine linen garments, and placed a gold chain around his neck. He had Joseph ride in his second chariot and servants called out before him a brick. So he placed him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but no one would be able to raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt without your permission. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphnath paneah and gave him a wife, Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest at On. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Joseph left Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout the land of Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced outstanding harvests. Joseph gathered all the excess food in the land of Egypt during the seven years and put it in the cities. He put the food in every city from the fields around it. So Joseph stored up grain in such abundance, like the sand of the sea, that he stopped measuring it because it was beyond measure. Two sons were born to Joseph before the years of famine arrived. Asenath daughter of Potipharah, priest at On, bore them to him. 
Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, meaning God has made me forget all my hardship in my father's house. And the second son he named Ephraim, meaning God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Then the seven years of abundance in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph has said. There was famine in every country, and throughout the land of Egypt there was food. Extreme hunger came to all the land of Egypt, and the people cried out to Pharaoh for food. Pharaoh told all Egypt, Go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. Because the famine had spread across the whole country, Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Every nation came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain. For the famine was severe in every land. The Gospel according to Mark, chapter 11. The Gospel according to Mark, chapter 11. When they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a donkey tied there, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here right away. So they went and found a young donkey outside in the street, tied by a door. They untied it, and some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the donkey? They answered them, just as Jesus had said, so they let them go. Then they brought the donkey to Jesus and threw their robes on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their robes on the road, and others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed kept shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! comes in the name of the Lord. 
is the blessed one. The coming kingdom of our father David is blessed. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And he went into Jerusalem, into the temple complex. After looking around at everything, since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The next day when they came out from Bethany, he was hungry after seeing in the distance a fig tree with leaves. He went to find out if there was anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. He said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. They came to Jerusalem and he went into the temple complex and began to throw out those buying and selling in the temple. He overturned the money changers' tables and the chairs of those selling doves and would not permit anyone to carry goods throughout the temple complex. Then he began to teach them, It is not written, My, is it not, is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the chief priests and the scribes heard it and started looking for a way to destroy him, for they were afraid of him because the crowd was astonished by his teaching. And whenever evening came, they would go out of the city Early in the morning, as they were passing by, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the tree that you cursed is withered. Jesus replied to them, Have faith in God, I assure you, If anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you all the things you pray and ask for, Believe that you have received them, and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you 
your wrongdoing. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your wrongdoing. They came to Jerusalem as he was walking in the temple complex. The chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came and asked him, By what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority to do these things? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question, then answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Was John's baptism from heaven or from men? Answer me. They began to argue among themselves. If we say from heaven, he will say, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, they were afraid of the crowd because everyone thought that John was a genuine prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Job chapter 7. Isn't mankind, Job chapter 7, isn't mankind consigned to forced labor on earth? Are not his days those of a hired hand? Like a slave, he longs for shade. Like a hired man, he waits for his pay. So I have been made to inherit months of futility and troubled nights have been assigned to me when I lie down I think when will I get up but the evening drags on endlessly and I toss and turn until dawn. My flesh is clothed with maggots and encrusted with dirt. My skin forms crabs and then oozes. My days pass more swiftly than a weaver's shuttle. They come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is but a breath. My eye will never again see anything good. 
The eye of anyone who looks on me will no longer see me. Your eyes will look for me, but I will be gone. As a cloud fades away and vanishes, so the one who goes down to Sheol will never rise again. He will never return to his house. His hometown will no longer remember him. Therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. And I am the sea. Am I the sea or a sea monster? that you keep me under guard when I say my bed will comfort me and my couch will ease my complaint. Then you frighten me with dreams and terrify me with visions so that I prefer strangling death rather than life in this body. I give up. I will not live forever. Leave me alone for my days are a breath. What is man that you think so highly of him and pay so much attention to him? What is man that you think so highly of him and pay so much attention to him? You inspect him every morning and put him to the test every moment. Will you ever look away from me or leave me alone long enough to swallow? If I have sinned, what have I done to you, watcher of mankind? Why have you made me your target so that I have become a burden to you? Why not forgive my sin and pardon my transgression? For soon I will lie down in the grave. You will eagerly seek me, but I will be gone. Why not forgive my sin and pardon my transgression? Romans chapter 11. I ask then, has God rejected his people? Absolutely not. For I am too an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. 
Or don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to take my life. But what was God's reply to him? I have left 7,000 men for myself who have not bowed down to Baal in the same way then. There is also the present time a remnant chosen by grace. Now, if by grace, then it is not by works. Otherwise, grace ceases to be grace. What then? Israel did not find what it was looking for, but the elect did find it. The rest were hardened as it is written. God gave them a spirit of insensitivity, eyes that cannot see, and the ears that cannot hear to this day. And David says, Let their feasting become a snare and a trap, a pitfall and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see, and their backs be bent continually. I ask then, have they stumbled in order to fall? Absolutely not. On the contrary, by their stumbling, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous. Now, if their stumbling brings riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full number bring? Now, I am speaking to you Gentiles in view of the fact that I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. If I can somehow make my own people jealous and save some of them, for if their rejection brings reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Now, if the first fruits offered up are holy, so is the whole batch. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Now, if some of the branches were broken off and you, though a wild olive branch, were grafted in among them and have come to share in the rich root of the cultivated olive tree, do not brag that you are better than those branches. But if you do brag, you do not sustain the root. 
but the root sustains you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. True enough, they were broken off by unbelief. But you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Therefore, consider God's kindness and severity. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness toward you. If you remain in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not remain in unbelief, will be grafted in. Because God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from your native wild olive and against nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own? olive tree so that you will not be conceited brothers I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery a partial hardening has come to Israel until the full number of the Gentiles has come in and in this way All Israel will be saved, as it is written. The liberator will come from Zion. He will turn away godlessness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. When I take away their sins. Regarding the gospel... They are enemies for your advantage. But regarding election, they are loved because of the patriarchs. Since God's gracious gifts and calling are irrevocable, as you once disobeyed God, but have now received mercy through their disobedience so that they too have now disobeyed, resulting in mercy to you so that they also now may receive mercy. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience, so that he may have mercy on all. 
For God has imprisoned all in disobedience so that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has ever first given to him and has to be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen.